Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello Church. Well, we're getting to the end of our sermon series called Anchored. If you remember, we are using a passage in Hebrews 6 where it talks about us having an anchor for our soul that goes into the presence of God behind a veil and that it is sure and steadfast and that it can make us safe from all the vagaries of life. You know, the storms that blow in your emotions, in the world around you, in your relationships with other people, and also in your conscience, your guilt. All of those storms can blow us off course so easily, but God has provided a way. And today I want to look at the fact that he says in this passage that God swore with an oath. And when I first read that passage, I was so confused. It says by two immutable things, we can be sure. And it says that God swore with an oath. And the questions that arose in my mind were, first of all, if God always tells the truth, why does he need to swear something with with an oath? You know, Jesus said, don't swear at all. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. And yet God seems to have gone against that principle by swearing something by an oath. He said, not just this will happen, but he said, I swear by myself. Why is that necessary? That was the first question that I hope to answer today. And the second question was, why are there two immutable things and what are the two immutable things? It seems to be clear in the passage, but then I read it again and again and again, and I was trying to work out what what exactly are these two immutable things? Immutable means unchangeable. And it's important for us to know what this is saying because we have to be able to know what we're putting an anchor for our soul into. And I want to show you today that if we get this, if we understand why this is in this passage, it will really, really help you that you can have a firm, firm anchor. So let's read the passage. I'll read the the whole passage so that you get the context. In Hebrews 6, verse 12, it says, Do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, remember that I've already said that when God speaks, it is a promise because he can't lie. As humans, we add the word promise because we're kind of saying not everything I say is true, but I promise this is true. But God doesn't need to do that. Everything he says is a promise, but we're going to see that they're using this word because there was a a double layer of it in this instance. It says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We can inherit the promises of God. You and I can. And that's part of our anchor. Verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. What an interesting verse. Verse 14, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Let me just read that little passage to you from Genesis 22 so that you know what it's talking about. Genesis 22, verse 16, um, Abraham has just been ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, and then God stopped him and said, now I see that um, you obey me. And in verse 16 of Genesis 22, God says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, 
and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So you see, God says, by myself, I have sworn. And so going back to our Hebrews passage, he says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That's talking about Abraham. Do you remember Abraham had these promises from very early in his life, probably the age of about 70 when he was living in Ur of the Chaldeans, and then he moved to Haran. And at the age of 75, his father Terah died, and God reiterated the promise to him again, and he moved on to the promised land. And then God reiterated the promise, Genesis 13, Genesis 15, Genesis 17. There's all these reiterations of the promise. And then in Genesis 22, God says, I swear by myself, it was the same promise. But Abraham had waited 25 or 30 years before this point. And so there was patience and faith involved. And it says, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I wonder if you and I are patient in enduring for the promise. You might say, why do we need to be patient? Because we can see from this double oath that we're going to see today that there are other forces at play. And sometimes when God really determines to do something, um, there is a power released that enables us to overcome things. At other times, there's more of a battle involved. God's promises are always true, but there are different levels of opposition to those promises. Let me go on. For men swear, indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. I promise I'll do this. I promise. Sometimes when I hear a person saying, no, honestly, or uh, I really mean this, or I promise, it makes me wonder why they don't always mean what they say. But anyway, he says, as a principle, and it is true, when people swear, when they go to court and they swear on a Bible, I will tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth or whatever it is. It adds a level of comfort and strength to what they're saying. And he's just saying that that's the way human beings interact. But it says men swear by the greater, but God, verse 17, determining. And that word determining means he has set his mind on this. Nothing's going to stop him. Determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Now, that word counsel is an important word. You know, there are many words in the Bible translated God's will, and we read them in the Bible, and often we just think God's will is his will. If he wills it, it will happen. But there are some words translated will, that are the Greek word thelema, which means what God wants, but human beings have to cooperate for it to happen. And then there's another word, which is often translated counsel or sometimes purpose. It's the Greek word boule, which means something that God has determined. So God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel. His counsel cannot be affected by anyone or anything. Wow. Now we're getting to this anchor territory. Confirmed it by an oath. 
that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to to lay hold of the hope set before us. And I'll talk about fleeing to take hold of this hope in a future week. Verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So let's look at this oath. Let's try and understand why God used an oath and let's see how it applies to you and me. How exciting. So we've read in Genesis 22, God says, By myself I have sworn, and he swore to Abraham a blessing. It included the land. It included many descendants. It included um, something that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed um, by. You will be blessed and you will be a blessing. Uh, There's an amazing amount of stuff included in this promise. In Genesis 15, he says, I will be your shield and your very great reward. It was an amazing promise. And later on in Romans chapter 4, it says that God promised the world to Abraham, that he would inherit the world. And in Galatians 3, it says that God spoke the gospel in advance to Abraham. So this promise was quite an important promise. um, And he swears it by an oath. But now the question that occurs to me is, does, does God use an oath a lot in the Bible? Are there other times where God uses an oath? So let me read you a few verses and refer to a few verses just to help you. In Genesis 50, so this is now several years, many years later, Joseph, in verse 24, said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph, hundreds of years later, is aware of this oath. And it's something that he is thinking about. And he knows it's an important thing. It's not something that God does all the time. It's not a common occurrence. It's a special thing. Deuteronomy 1 verse 8, again, years after that, says, See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Speaking of that oath to Abraham, it was an important event. It wasn't a a small thing. Later on in the New Testament, when John the Baptist is about to be born, his father, Zacharias, who was a priest, says this, verse 67 of Luke chapter 1. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So John the Baptist's father is is prophesying about his son John, but also the Messiah that John is going to introduce to the world. And in verse 71, he says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So many years later, when Jesus is about to come into the world, Zacharias 
prophesies that it is the fulfillment of the oath. It's such an important thing that people throughout the Bible make reference to it. Now, you might say, well, are there other oaths in the Bible? There are a couple of important ones, but they are linked up with the same one of Abraham. And then there are a couple of less important ones, but there really is just a handful. In Isaiah 45, 23, God says, I have sworn by myself, the word, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that to me. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. God swears that one day everyone, everyone will know that he is Lord and they will have to bow the knee and say God is Lord. But I believe that's part of this big promise to Abraham, which is to bring a Messiah. And then there's one other big oath, which is referred to in the Old Testament many times and in the New Testament many times. And that is where God promises, he swears an oath to King David that one of his descendants will be on the throne and will become the Messiah. So Psalm 132:11, it says, The Lord has sworn in truth to David and will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. Psalm 89 Verse 3, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever. Build up your throne to all generations. And he goes on talking about that, that his descendant will be the Messiah. And then in Psalm 110, verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. It's talking about the descendant of David being a priest forever, and it's talking about Jesus. And those promises, those oaths are referred to again in the Bible. And that's it. That's it. Those are the only times that God swears an oath. And I find this really interesting and really important to know. But now I just want to look at why God did it. You see, in the Old Testament, we get a shadow. The Bible says we see a shadow of the truth. We see types and shadows and figures and outlines. But in the New Testament, we see the full picture of Jesus and everything becomes clear. And there is this principle that God, everything he says is a promise. Everything he says is true. It is reliable. It can be relied on. But there are some things which God says where he says, I'm speaking from outside of time and space. I'm speaking from eternity and I'm going to impose my will. God doesn't do that a lot. There are many times he gives people choices, but there are a few times where he says, I'm going to impose my will to make sure this thing happens. In the Old Testament, it's called his purpose or his counsel or an oath. In the New Testament, there are these two families of Greek words. Thelo or thelema means God's desire, his will, and then bule or bulema or bulemai, that family of words means his counsel that he has decided. The thelo or thelema group of words that mean God's will and his desire, that occurs so many times, 270 something times in the New Testament, that type of word appears. And I'll read you a few of those verses in a moment so you can get an idea of how important God's will is. But the, the counsel, the determined will of God, the bule or bulema, uh, word occurs a handful of times. I think if you add up all the times that it's referring to God's will and you include some verses that might talk about God's will, it's maybe 15 times in total. And I can read you all those verses 
in the next couple of weeks, but they're, they're very, very few. And in the passage we are reading in Hebrews 6, talking about the anchor, that important counsel word, that word where God says, I'm determined, I will make this happen, occurs twice in the passage that we're reading. So the reason God swore with an oath, let me try and make this clear for you. Everything God says is a promise. Everything God says is true. But not everything God wants comes to pass. You might say to me, Greg, that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> That's not what I've heard. That's not what I've learned. Surely everything God wants comes to pass. Friends, there are every, just about every single chapter in every book of the Bible, there are examples of things God wants, but they don't come to pass. And God wants people to cooperate with him. Do you think God wanted Adam and Eve to eat the fruit of the tree of good, of good and evil? No, he didn't want it at all. He said he didn't want it, but he gave them the choice. But then there are a few things where God says, I am going to do this. I have determined the immutability of my counsel. I'm determined to do this. And in the Old Testament, he swore it with a double oath to try and differentiate between what is true and what he wants and what he is going to make sure happens. And in the New Testament, he calls it his counsel. It only occurs very, very few times. So let me read you a few of those verses. So this word will, fellow or thelema, as I've said, occurs hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible. Let me read you a few of the verses. Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, the thelema. That's the thing that God wants to happen. But we've got to understand what it is and cooperate with him. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. God's desires, what God wants. John 6, 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's that thelema word, what God wants, what God desires. John 7, 17, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Jesus was saying, if your will is linked with God's will, what God wants, then doctrine becomes clear and you can understand God's will. Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. These are the things that God wants. You say to me, but this, this doesn't prove that there are things God wants which don't happen. Let me read you a couple of verses. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the word thelema. God desires, God wills, God wants all men to be saved. But we know from various passages in the Bible that at the end of time there will be sheep and goats. Not everyone will be saved. So there needs to be a, a marrying up of humans' faith and acceptance and will with God's. Luke twenty-two forty-two, Jesus says, Father, if it is your will, and that's the word bulamai, which means your counsel. If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my thelema, but yours, your thelema be done. Uh, Jesus was saying, I want to fit in with your big purpose, your bulamai. But is there a way that this is what you want to take this cup away from me. But 
whatever whatever happens, I want your big counsel, your will, your bulamai to be done. But my will is for this cup to be taken. Matthew 8 verse 2, a leper came and worshipped saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. That's the word thelema. Matthew 18, 14, Jesus has just been speaking about little children, how they're going to sin and fall away. And then he tells some parables about a lost sheep, a lost coin, uh, a lost son, about how God wants to win these little ones back to him. But he says they will fall away. But then in verse 14, he says, even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. God doesn't want people to perish, especially children. And so we can see that this word will is very important. He says, do not be unwise, but understand the will of God. In 1 John 5, it says, if we pray anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. So it's very important for us to know and fit in with his will. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, only those who do God's will. We've got to know what God wants, what his desire is, what his principles are the way that he wants us to live. That's his will. And it's very important for us to know that. But then the bule or bulema verses. I'll just read you a few. Acts 2 verse 23, Peter preaching. Jesus was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. God determined that Jesus was going to be crucified. Acts 4 verse 28, they're praying and they say, Lord, do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. There's this idea of God determining beforehand and it's his purpose, bule, your purpose. Ephesians 1 verse 11, in this one verse, there are so many of these words. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And there is the word bule, there is also the word thelema, and another couple of words that mean the same thing, prothesis and proorizo. So it, it shows that there are some things that God says, I've determined beforehand, and the counsel, the purpose, I'm going to make this happen. Romans 9.19 you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will, his bulema, his, his counsel that he's determined? Friend, we're told that we can become part of this promise of Abraham. We can be heirs with him of his promise. When we believe in Jesus, let me just read you a couple of these verses. Romans 4 verse 13, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And verse 23 says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, and who was delivered because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. When I believe, I get put into this oath, this promise, this counsel, this bule, will of God, and I become part of something God has determined, I will be saved and I will be part of God's promise of Jesus paying for my sins. Just a couple more verses. Galatians 3. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, 
foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Friend, if you believe in Jesus, you become part of this thing that God promised from the beginning that was mentioned again and again through the Bible. And it is an immutable thing. Jesus paid for your sins, not because of anything good you'd done. Abraham was not a good man all the time. It was a promise. God says, I'm going to do this. And all we do is respond by faith and say, yes, Lord, I want to become part of what you've done. And then he says, nothing can change this. Your sins are forgiven. You are safe, sure, steadfast. You can rely on this because it's not changeable. And it doesn't depend on people's responses. It doesn't depend on, on your being good or bad every day. It is an immutable thing. What God achieved through the death of Jesus, you can be put into that and become part of Abraham's promise and his oath. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.